Hey everybody, Titans Talk. We're here with you another week. We are in the playoffs, in the deep run, and coming off a big win against New England. Because we got we're ever. about to head. Hey, wherever. Uh, about to head into Baltimore, and fellas, I'm feeling pretty good. How are you guys feeling? I mean, I'm in a way completely terrified because I think this team might be the second best team we've ever seen in the 21st century. But at the same time, I'm not terrified because we have no business being here. We're playing with house money. If we lose, we're expected to lose. If we keep it closer, we win. All the better, we continue the Cinderella run. So yes, I think it's very uncertain about our future after this week. But at the same time, there's no pressure on us. Big fellow for me. Lizzo? Big fellow for me, the, the biggest analogy is I'm not set for life, but I'm sitting pretty. I'm really proud of this team. My expectation every year. I'm a realist, is I want to be uh, better than average. I want to be 10-6 and six and win a playoff game. We have done that for the second time in three years. And, yes, I want more, but I feel like we're playing with house money right now. Does that mean I'm okay with whatever happens Saturday? No. I want us to be the team we have been, be tough, and give the regular season champs, so to speak, give them everything they want. But I, I'm just walking on clouds this week. It's really reminiscent to back in 2008 when in Nashville, literally everywhere you turned there was two-tone blue – and there was hype, and everybody was excited. Even the people who don't know anything about our team, they're excited too because they're part of it. And I, I'm getting really reminiscent of that of those days and feeling the Titan love. So I think everybody's excited, and everybody knows it's a daunting task ahead of us. But I have a belief and a feeling that Nashville and our team know that we can get this done. John, the biggest similarity from that year and that was a great year. We didn't have big expectations. There was issues with uh, Vince Young and all that. And then he was out. Kerry Collins comes in, kind of like us starting slow. We, we did not have high expectations even three months ago. It was the same way going into the 08 season. And the other similarity is we faced the Ravens in the second round. Yep. That's where I want the similarities to end. Complete opposite scenarios. Both times we played the Ravens in the, in the playoffs when we were a number one seed. We were bounced out of the playoffs as a number one seed, both by the Baltimore Ravens. Now the tables are turned, and they are a number one seed, and we have nothing to lose. As a team, how are we health-wise? What are we looking like on the injury report? Right, the good news is Khalif Raymond has cleared the concussion protocol. He'll be fully healthy and ready to go this weekend. That's big news because we've seen him as just as a rotation player. We use him to stretch the field, use him as a vertical passing there, even just a decoy. And he's also been a great return man for us. And his return is going to be great because we're going to need all the firepower we can get. Kamala Correa didn't practice today with an illness, but I don't expect that to hurt his availability on Saturday. He played a lot of snaps against the Patriots, and he was a big reason why we were able to step up. John Brown, who messed up his shoulder twice early on in the Patriots game and went out for the rest of the game, he hasn't practiced all week. His status is in doubt for Saturday, and that's a massive blow if he can't play just for his pass coverage and his speed potentially keep up with Lamar Jackson. Adam Humphreys and Adoree Jackson both also haven't practiced so far this week. Humphreys' mysterious ankle injury is still nagging him. Clearly, I don't expect him to play. And then with Adoree, I think it's more of a load management thing. Last week was his first game back in a couple weeks. Just, he was sore. I'm sure he's sore. He's tired. Just rest up our number two cornerback for what's going to be a tough matchup on the road. And then Deion Lewis has been limited. Deion Lewis has been limited all week, but he's going to grit through it. He banged his shoulder against Stephon Gilmore, and it looked like he was a little shaken up, but he played through it and had several more snaps and touches after that. 
So it's just maintenance, really. Yes, I think the Adoree Jackson thing is he's sore from not playing for a month and playing last. That's just He just wasn't going to practice, I think, regardless at this point in the week. I'm not too worried about that, but we'll see. Humphreys is important because I just think he has a, an element to goal line, weirdly enough. He's been a really good first-down receiver for us. I just think we have missed him. But uh, as important as a lot of those guys are, the most important guy this week is Jayon Brown. John, John Brown and Rashawn Evans both played extremely well until John Brown was hurt uh, Saturday night. Just the nature of who we're playing, we're going to need big, long, athletic linebackers that can match Lamar Jackson's play, but I think we just absolutely need him. He's the most important person on the injury report this week. Moving on to the Ravens injury report, what, what do we know, Landon? Is that they really haven't had a singular long-term injury that's derailed them. Compared to us, we've had several starters or key depth guys go out for the entire year. At times in Baltimore, their biggest injury might actually have been Mark Ingram hurting his calf a bit in week 16, right before he likely would have been rested in week 17. He hasn't practiced at all this week, but from what I've seen, it's more of a rest and preventative maintenance kind of thing because he's a veteran. He played with the Saints several times in the playoffs. He knows what it takes. He understands the grind, the physicality. Don't risk himself. Don't risk anything until, until the game starts. Earl Tom. And then the only other player who was didn't practice this week for injury-related things was Mark Andrews. He's been limited with an ankle injury this entire week. But and I obviously expect him to play. Nothing that I've read says it's in any way debilitating. It's just nagging. It's not going to keep him out of the game, but he might be a little bit limited. And that's great news for us, even though I never wish an opponent to be hurt because he's their most dynamic and dangerous receiving threat. If he's even just 90% instead of 100%, that could have major implications for how the game flow goes. Before we get into the matchup, I want to talk about the coaches. Obviously, Mike Vrabel has never been to a Super Bowl as a coach, but we have seen John Harbaugh in the Super Bowl and win one as a coach. Vrabel, obviously, as a player, has been there. He's won Super Bowls. Nathan, tell me what you think about the difference in coaching styles and kind of the experience, and how do you think that might play a factor in what we see on Saturday? We've seen Harbaugh be an asset for the Ravens for years now. He didn't get his due uh, at the end of the Flacco years. The way they have rebuilt this team on the fly, the way they do everything is so different now. It's a testament to him and his coaching staff. He is an asset to them on game day. I really think every coach has to go through, if you haven't been a head coach before, there's so many different scenarios that can happen. And you see these guys that have been around a while, they just handle it better. And Vrabel's been called a few times, but he's also has an acumen for being a player. But you do wonder in these situations, not really can he handle the pressure? He can. Is something going to come up, and is he going to be ready for it? I think experience is something. But our really experienced guys, Harbaugh being an example, they had to start somewhere. So, yeah, I do think it's an asset for Harbaugh, and we'll just have to see on Vrabel the chess match that he played with uh, Bill Belichick. So far, so good. It's going to be a big test for Vrabel, and I think he's going to pass with flying colors. As we saw how comfortable he was in New England, to piggyback off of Nathan on a different coaching note, how ready do you think our defense will be with Dean Pease being formerly associated with the Baltimore Ravens? Played them once last year. It didn't go well, so we've got a score to settle. I expect that he's gotten this defense game planned as best they can because looking at the Ravens' offense, it isn't so much the scheme they run is complicated and it fools defenses and tricks guys into getting out of position. They execute the little things really well. No team can stop what they do. They've, they're the best running team in the 16-game era. 
the gap between us and them, we're the number three rushing offense, the, the best, is more than us and the worst rushing offense, the Miami Dolphins. Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, and Gus Edwards are all great runners, and it's just impossible to contain their running attack, which opens up everything else. But it's not complicated. It's not, you got to watch out for this, and when this man's in this alignment and then he shifts, it means that. it's They're going to run the ball. They're going to run the read option. They're going to run design quarterback runs. They're going to throw all this window dressing at you, and you just have to execute. Your linebackers have to somehow make stops on Lamar Jackson in space. And I think we have the personnel to potentially hold our own with Lamar Jackson. I expect to see a lot of broken ankles and highlight real plays where he jukes out our defense. But Jayon Brown, Rashawn Evans, Kenny Vaccaro, heck, even Adoree Jackson, if they load up the box and go big, those are all guys who are smaller, faster, who can keep up with Lamar Jackson. It's just a question of no defense except for the Pittsburgh Steelers early on. And that was the last time Lamar Jackson really looked mortal. Only that defense was able to slow down this offense. And can we replicate it? And can we take advantage of the very few weaknesses the offense has shown so far? They've had a 100-yard rusher, a 100-plus-yard rusher in 11 of their 16 games. And in that span, they're 10-1. They're and one. Lamar Jackson's had five of those games where he's been a 100-yard rusher, and there have been some where he's gotten close, like a 95-yard performance. Landon mentioned how slippery Lamar Jackson can be and how he can juke defenders out of their shoes and this and that and the other thing. It was reported that Marcus Mariota, take it, he's working with the first-team defense as a Lamar Jackson impersonator. What are your thoughts on him and kind of the skill set that matches Obviously, he's not the athlete that Lamar Jackson is, but he's not too far off, right? And this should help us to get ready for him. Uh, Marcus Mariota is by far the best scout team Lamar Jackson in, in the NFL because he can replicate the speed, and they're just going to go through the plays that they've seen them do. Uh, I know you've played against a scout team, probably been on a scout team before. He's ideal for that, and that's going to be a big asset for us just to replicate that kind of speed. What Lamar Jackson does beyond being just super fast and athletic, he stops and he starts so quickly and he changes direction so quickly. That's why Landis told us several times nobody really gets a good lick on him because he's whatever. But his ability to be running and then just stop, I mean, people run right past him. So, no, Marcus Mariota isn't going to necessarily be able to replicate that. But just replicating somebody that comes out, fakes that bootleg and and gives on the inside or somebody that uh, goes play action, runs that bootleg and just absolutely takes off with 4-4 speed. Yeah, I'm sure uh, he's he has been super valuable to them in, in the few practices they've been able to have this week. Big key to the game is going to be limiting Lamar Jackson, and ideally he does everything with his legs. But he has shown the ability to do things with his arm. Now, he might not throw for a million yards, but he throws for a lot of touchdowns and he throws to his right. tight ends and they throw in the, red the zone. ball around. They sure they do. They throw in the red and zone. Between the 20s they, sure they run, do. they throw in the red zone. They got three good tight ends. Absolutely. Like Landon was talking about earlier, their college offense, people know what they're going to do, but uh, they execute so well and they're just so good at it, then nobody's been able to stop them yet. He has thrown for a little over 3,000 yards, which isn't eye-popping, but he's thrown for 36 touchdowns and six interceptions. Yeah, add that to so, 1,200 yeah. rushing yards. Uh, it's incredible. Right. Like y'all were talking about earlier, they're the first team ever to average 200 yards rushing a game. I mean, it's an absolute all-time unique offense. It's incredible. 
we're going to be schemed up and ready. Now, is anybody going to stop them? I think we're going to find out Saturday. I don't feel like a lot of NFL teams are capable of stopping the Ravens, but I do think that we're one of them. Buffalo was one that could stop them, and I thought that we were. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. San Francisco. On, uh, uh, well, but that's Saturday, down the road. Yeah. That's we're we're talking Super Bowl, and I'm not I'm not ready. Oh to yeah, crown I thought you yet. just meant in the NFL. There's only like three oh, or four, yeah. and I think you mentioned two of them, and then mm-hmm. I would say San Francisco. I think we're maybe the third at worst most capable team, especially the way we played on Saturday, to at least give it a shot. I think we have way better than a fighter's chance at, at winning this game. Landon, their best receiver this year, it's probably been Mark Andrews, right? Yes, yeah, certainly. Mark Andrews leads them in receptions, targets, yards, and touchdowns. He's the perfect Lamar Jackson target. He's this dynamic receiving tight end that has the body control to adjust to Lamar's throws when he makes them off-platform, off the run. And he's a capable blocker as well, even though Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst are probably better. But the trio of Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, and Hayden Hurst have combined for 120 receptions almost 1,500 yards, and 14 touchdowns. And as we've seen with this defense, tight ends can kill us, and they have done it a lot over the past couple of years. And if Jayon Brown's oh, yeah. out, that's a problem because their passing offense, 50, 50% of their passing yards go to tight ends. So if we can't shut down the tight end, if we can't limit the tight end, we really have no shot because our receiver, the, the player with mo- the most receptions is Hollywood Brown with 46. Then Seth Roberts has 21, and Willie Sneed has 31. They don't really use their receivers. They use them the least of any efficient NFL offense I've seen probably ever because it's the run game and it's the tight ends. And if there's going to be any hope in this game, it's we can play Logan Ryan and Dory Jackson one-on-one with their receivers outside, and we divert safety help into the box. That's what I was going to say. If we stop those guys, and that's what it's going to take to win, to at least stop them to a degree, Kenny Vaccaro is going to have to be the player of this game. He's going to come up, and he's going to have to do damage, and those two guys are going to have to be out on an island that you mentioned, uh, Jackson and Ryan. I think they're up for it. But don't you think, John, that it's going to be about Vaccaro, a hopefully uh, healthy Brown? So Kenny Vaccaro, he's been one of my most impressive players, and uh, you know, over the last two years, because he came in here without a lot of time last year, and, you know, he earned another contract. And after the Patriots game, which he played incredible in, Mike Vrabel was quoted as saying, Kenny Vaccaro played safety that game the way that Vrabel thinks safety is supposed to be played in this league. So we're going to need more of that, and he's going to need to come up in big big positions and big points. And, you know, I really think he can do it. He, he played super physical. There was one play where he totally sold out for a tackle, and he looked like a missile. He was in the air the whole time. It was just incredible. Uh, You know, he's just played his his tail off. And, you know, the same thing with Rashawn Evans. I think Rashawn Evans, you know, after talking more, you know, we talked throughout the week and just talking more about his presence in that game, I think he is going to be our probably most important player on Saturday because he's going to need to cover, and he's also going to need to tackle these running backs. You know, and Landon, I think you're like dead you right there. Yeah, yeah. It's weird about the 2018 draft that they were building for Lamar Jackson before they drafted him because they uh, drafted yeah. a hearse several picks before, and then two rounds later Andrews, and it was such a head scratcher then. And now it makes total sense they were going to make uh, the first like three headed monster tight end college spread Lamar Jackson offense, and uh, that like you said we were laughing then, they're laughing now. 
And I mean, this just goes back, you know, we talk continuously about how the good teams like the Steelers and the Ravens. Yeah, we might hate them, but you know why we hate them? Because they're good. They make smart decisions. And this is just another one of those smart decisions that they did when everybody was laughing at them. And here we are. And they're the number one seed and an incredible team that we have to face. So, yeah, hats off to the Ravens and the way they prepare. I wish, you know, I, I think we're on the track to preparing in that same manner. Uh, I think well, John Robinson and Frable, they have us looking in a good a good light. What we've done in the same manner, as you mentioned, these good teams, what um, they've all done recently, the Patriots, the Steelers, the Ravens, the sort of reinvent themselves, is uh, evolve. And this team evolved. Uh, they have been, had the same sort of MO for two decades. And then just overnight, they're different. But I think the Titans have evolved. It might be subtle, but we have, and we, we do things a little different. We still are going to run the ball first, but we went out on a limb, obviously, and moved on to a different quarterback. But there are other subtle nuances. We made a tough decision to move on from uh, a head coach that had just won a playoff game. I think that I would like to think this, uh, that, that we're showing some of the same uh, sort of uh, institutional character. Let's talk about the Titans' offense. Well, first of all, what we have to do is run, 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 run. Whatever. Remember what I said on Saturday after the game when I was saying, I thought we should have run out of under center every play no matter what. We need to do that this week even more so. Looking through the, the Ravens' defensive stats, there aren't many holes. In fact, there's really just one. Opponent rushing yards per attempt. At 4.4 yards per attempt, they're 21st in the league, so they're bottom third. The Patriots were right around league average at 17th. So this team is marginally worse on a per rushing attempt basis against the run than the New England Patriots, who Derrick Henry just gashed for 180 yards. And that's, that's really the one favorable matchup I see comparing our offense to their defense. They're a top 10 passing, they're a top 10 passing defense. They're number two in limiting touchdown passes. They're number six in passing yards. But what's interesting with the rushing defense, they face the least amount of rushing attempts on their defense because their offense is so explosive. They get a few stops. The offense scores a couple of touchdowns. It's 21-7 in a blink of an eye. Right. And teams can't afford to continue mm-hmm. running because if you're yep. first in rushing attempts, but you're bottom third in yards per attempt, it's not that teams can't run on you because your defense is good. It's that their offense is so good they have to keep up somehow. And well, it's we not just, just it, getting up. It's, it's not just getting up, Landon. It's if you're rushing for 200, um, consistently running, rushing for 200 yards a game, you're going to have the ball the whole time. Yep. So that's why yep. the, the yards per carry isn't good for them, but total yards is good because they've had the ball the whole dang game for two thirds of the game all season. That's really why I think we'll decide this game time of possession between us or them because if they can chain seven, eight minute drives that get points consistently rushing the ball. They've got three players with over 100 attempts that average over five yards a carry. They've got three dynamic rushing threats. If they can consistently pound the ball, keep our offense off the field, we really have to make our offensive possessions count because we have even two non-scoring drives, and they have three scoring drives. We're behind the eight ball. We're almost out of it before it's even begun. On the flip side, if we're having drives like we did on that two-minute drive where we just ran Henry eight, nine times and just – control the clock, control the ball, keep Lamar Jackson off the field, we have a chance because they're going to get theirs. It's just limiting the number of drives that they have. And if Derrick Henry, and if there's any running back on the face of the earth that can shoulder 30-plus carries back-to-back weeks 
is Derrick Henry at Alabama. He had 90 combined carries back-to-back. He can shoulder the workload. He's mad. There's been some bulletin board material spoken by the Baltimore Ravens defense. He's angry. He wants to solidify his status. He wants to get paid, and he's looking to go out there and earn it. And I think he's about to. If I don't want us to play keep away. I want us to play to, to score points. But that being said, if we want to beat this team, we can keep him off the field. We have the – if there's any guy ever, and he is playing as well as he ever has, if there's anybody to play keep away, it's Derrick Henry, right, big fella? Oh, without a doubt. You guys have both mentioned, you know, the importance of, you know, keeping Lamar Jackson off the field. And, you know, I'll tell you what, if we win the coin toss – we take the ball, we march down the field, and then we we impose our will against them and show them we're here to play and score first. That's the important key. We can't allow them to score and continue to score. We can't have short drives. We need to run the ball, like you, like you both said with Derrick Henry. Get this stat. So when Derrick Henry goes for over 100 yards, we're 7-0. and Now, he didn't play in Week 16, but we're 3-7 and when he doesn't go over 100 or when we don't rush for 100 yards. I am inclined that smarter folks than us know this too. And we will see a game plan similar to last Saturday where he went for 182 on the Patriots. I know, I know Landon, you mentioned that stat before, but I just got to say it again because it makes me so happy. And I just love hearing it because I want to see my boy go again. I, heck, why not 200? John, I think w- what you say about us being 7-0 when he has 100 yards, that's more about if us not getting behind because he runs for a hundred yards, if we're able to still run him, if we're not down by two touchdowns in the second half, like to your point just earlier, we, we just can't get behind. Even if we do get behind early in the first half, I hope we don't abandon the run. All that stat says to me is that when we are in a close game, he's going to run us to victory. When we can still run late in the game, it's on. He's winning. He's closing. And we've seen him be the I mean, the best closer in football because, yes, Lamar Jackson has been the best player in the NFL. But as far as going into the fourth quarter, a close game, down the stretch here, Derrick Henry has just closed every single game that he's been in. We're no strangers to close games, and neither are the Ravens. They've had nine games that were decided by two scores or less, which I consider two scores or less to be a tight game. Any given play, that could break open really quickly and, and turn into – uh, a really close ball game. Yeah, we we cannot afford to get down in this game. A lot of the teams that they play, you know, get down quick, and they are not built or equipped to mount that kind of a comeback. But I do like the rushing stats because the two losses they did have this year were to Kansas City and to Cleveland, both of which who had over 100 yards running the ball. I think the recipe is pretty clear. You know, the objective is pretty clear, too. Talk to me about your boy, A.J. Brown. What happens when he goes over the 100-yard mark? What he's been able to do on a limited amount of targets we all know about. He was quiet in the last game, and uh, he was uh, up against, you know, one of the best players in the NFL. Other guys came through. There were obviously 80 yards uh, passing in this last game. That is a unique game you got to kind of throw out stats for. This game is going to be a little different. I think we're going to have to rely on Ryan Tannehill and our receivers for third down, maybe a fourth down or two, and then some. But I still think the ideal is uh, 18, 20 passes. Uh, but, yeah, I want to see A.J. Brown now. These guys are good. Um, I like Marlon Humphrey. I know he comes out of the slot a lot. I'll be interested to see what Landon or you think about who we're going to see, if we'll see them in zone or they'll have somebody follow A.J. Brown. I don't know that they will. I like their defensive backfield. They're really tough, uh, good, really good, really athletic. 
I, I do think we'll see more Brown. The thing about Brown is he just needs to touch it once or twice to absolutely change the outcome of a game, especially a close game. The Baltimore Ravens know what we're going to do to try to beat them. They're, we're we're going to run the ball. So I expect to see a whole lot of creative different blitz types, which will probably make it a lot harder to run the ball. But I have confidence in Derrick Henry's bulldozing style to, to do that. And then that's also going to leave us with some good matchups uh, for A.J. Brown. I, I think today, I think well, on Saturday, it's a great opportunity for him to kind of show what he's made of and have a huge game. But also, can't forget about Corey Davis. I think he's going to benefit a lot from those matchups as well. Well, you don't have to have worked for Nick Saban to know what um, the Titans are going to do with A.J. Brown. They're going to run that go <laughs> route with him. And they're going to try yep. to get a little separation. And uh, he's going to try to get that ball in the sweet spot, and he's going to cut up towards the middle of the field and just uh, outrun and outmuscle everybody because that is literally all he's done all season. It's a, it's a one-trick pony, but it's one good trick. Landon, right now the prediction is that it's going to be cloudy on Saturday and six rain pushing off into the late hours of the evening. How do you think the weather will impact this game? What are you hoping for? What do you think the Titans are hoping for? What do you think will work best? Does it matter? With the way the forecasts have been trending recently, I'm very disappointed because Sunday morning, I was looking at the weather for Baltimore trying to predict how it would be, and it said it's going to rain all Friday and it's going to continue into Saturday. By the time it's game time, it's been raining for over 24 hours. The field's going to be drenched. It's in the 40s. It's chilly. It's like the Patriots game, but there might still be rain going on. And now it's pushed off into a much more comfortable 60 degrees. There might not even be rain. And for us, I think we want it to be as sloppy and gross and as in the muck as we can because our passing offense is worse than their passing offense. And even though their rushing offense is better than our rushing offense, I'll take my chances with Derrick Henry just pounding the rock in the rain in terrible conditions, just shouldering the load again over the Ravens' diversified attack. Part of what makes them so dangerous is when you sell it to stop the run, they can pass over the top and they kill you. But in the rain, in the mud, things get sloppy. The passing game slows down. Receivers drop easy balls. Quarterback sail throws. The Ravens have just shown that their passing offense is much more consistent and dangerous, that any limitations to the passing game would be greatly appreciated by us. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen. It comes down to Ryan Tannehill. There's, there's no other way to put it. He's the X factor in this game. He threw for 80 yards and we won. We got lucky that game. That shouldn't have happened in any other game in NFL history in the playoffs. That probably doesn't happen. He's got to come out and show that he's the guy who, if he had played a full season, would have been an MVP candidate. A guy who had the third highest passer rating in NFL history behind Peyton Manning 2004 and Aaron Rodgers 2011. Two of the greatest quarterback seasons ever. He's got to step up to the plate and play like the guy we think can be our franchise quarterback. Nathan, what are your thoughts on the weather? Do you echo that same sentiment that Landon has? I, I'm more indifferent than than I was like on Saturday, but I just hope it's uh, raining hard. I hope it's the ugliest game in NFL history because I'm just such a fan and I want to see Ollie Frazier. Uh, I just want to <laughs> see him just get after it. I really do, and I I want them to all be safe. And uh, other than that, I just want it to be nasty and ugly because you know what? I think our team wants that, and I, they're tough too. At some point, I think these teams are geared up and ready and well-coached. I, I think they can play this on the moon. I think they can play it on the beach. And I don't know how much difference it's going to be. But in my mind, I think it's a slight advantage for us to just play a, a nasty game in nasty weather. What do you think? 
Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I really don't think the weather is going to matter all that much. I think as much as the rainy, gross weather would benefit us, I don't, you know, I mean, it would probably benefit them as well with their rushing attack. So, like you said, on the moon, on the beach, in the rain, we're going to run the ball. Approximately 32 million people watched this game on CBS Saturday night, Patriots-Titans. I'm going to think more people are going to watch this game. I think we're kind of a darling. No one dislikes Nashville. No one really dislikes our kind of upstart um, franchise, really, unless maybe you're you're in a few cities, right? People Pittsburgh. love to watch Lamar Jackson, and they should. People love to watch Derrick Henry. I mean, this is going to be uh, the most rated football game of, the, of this season, maybe, right? I would think so. I mean, like you said, we have a lot of high-profile players in this game. National, I don't want to say icons, but, you know, everybody knows who they are. So, and out of the matchups, I think it is probably going to be the most competitive. I mean, not to say that the other games that are going to be played this weekend are going to be bad. I, I think people, I, I mean, I guess oh, at this point in the state, at, at this point in the game, all of the games being played are going to be, you know, have some sort of intrigue and interest. I think another Saturday night game. It's going to be great and liken this to, you know, all sports with the playoffs, specifically uh, March Madness. Now, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but during March Madness, I start to tune in and pay a lot more attention to the later rounds. So kind of like this playoff, I imagine a lot of teams, a lot of fans whose teams are out of it or a lot of people who don't even know anything about the Titans or about football in general, they're going to watch this game because it's become socially relevant. Uh, you know, I honestly wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if the viewership doubled for this game. Um, I know that's a big number, but but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of intrigue and a lot of a lot of history with these teams, both old and young. So I think it's really going to have a great showing. Landon, let me put it to you this way: three million more people watched that game Saturday night than did um, the Cowboys Seahawks in the exact same game exactly a year before that, and the Cowboys or the best-drawing team in the NFL. And two years ago, in the same slot, 10 million more people watched Titans-Patriots than Rams-Falcons. So this is going to be an absolute boon for CBS again on Saturday night, right? Oh, I think so. You've got the best team in the NFL returning to primetime for the first time since December 12th. You've got the MVP returning to the big stage. You've got the most exciting running back left alive in the playoffs right now, Derrick Henry. A guy who got a national following at Alabama where he, run a, where he won a Heisman Trophy in a national championship. You've got two big play offenses, two defenses that make splash plays. It's the divisional round which always carries a lot of hype. You've got the divisional round which carries a lot of hype in. And a lot of people are picking the Titans. I see a lot of people online and on talk shows saying, oh, they could be frisky. With a guy like Derrick Henry and Tannehill will step up, maybe they'll give him a game. And I think that gives a lot of excitement because, yes, people like to see the dominant teams. They like to see the Patriots just whoop everyone, even though, or they like to hate the teams that whoop everyone, but they like to see dominance. They like to see history being made. They also love a Cinderella story. Everyone loves the 2007 Giants, except the teams that they beat and their rivals. And we have the potential to be that kind of team, and people are going to tune in. John, if I were a Pennsylvania Dutch farmer, I'd walk to the nearest bar to watch this game. If I were <laughs> uh, living in a monastery 
in uh, rural Belgium, I would I would sneak out and watch this game. I would watch this game on Saturday night. Yes, I'm a homer, but this has got everything, right? No, it's not Cowboys, Packers. That's what I love about it. And I know the, the Ravens are a big-time team. They're not a huge draw, and we haven't been a huge market. And just like Saturday night, yeah, I know it's the Patriots. I think we're going to outdraw that game because I don't think – the way football is now with gambling and fantasy football, people had Derrick Henry. People had Lamar Jackson. People are going to watch this game. I don't care in every market, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, I think one thing that could have aided us last weekend with our viewership is people love to hate the Patriots, and they oh, love yeah, to watch them lose. So, I mean, a lot of – I saw one yeah, of people tuned in to, to, to yeah. watch the queen die. Yeah. Oh, no question. Yeah. Oh, but I yeah. Think we keep the rating. We, we lose the Patriots, but we're going to keep the rating because wouldn't you agree? I mean, people right. well, uh, follow players yeah. now and it's like, I'm going to watch, see what Derek Henry's going to do. I, and of course, uh, I would pay pay-per-view to watch Lamar Jackson play. Well, yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, in this game is going to feature five, uh, the mo- the more recent Heisman trophy winners, which is, uh, a weird little stat with Lamar Jackson, Derrick Henry, Marcus Mariota, Robert Griffin III, and Mark Ingram. So that's a pretty interesting thing to think about. But also kind of like you talked about, or like you were just mentioning how they, you know, everybody tuned in last week to watch the Queen die. And I think us beating the Patriots, who have been Super Bowl champs a billion times in, you know, in the last decade, I think that kind of, even to the casual football fan, that gives us more legitimacy. They're like, oh. Titans beat the Patriots in oh, Foxborough. Yeah. I texted you guys earlier this week, and this is how we build a national fan base and, you know, start to get people on right. the Titans. You know, we, oh, yeah. we take down the Queen. We take them down could happen. at their own well, look house. Look at the Seahawks. And, you know, oh, yeah. It's right, like, well, exactly. the Seahawks, Seahawks 15 years ago were a regional team. And now look at right. No, I, I think we're in that same boat. And, and this is the time for everybody to, to get on board. So I know all of you have seen that. I've uh, seen the, that um, bandwagon transfer form out on, on Facebook and social media. So everybody who's not a Titans fan, go fill that out. We will accept it. You can come. You can join the two-tone blue, and we'll let you in. We saw a micro we'll version of that. Of uh, we saw a micro version of that 20 years ago. And I know you were a part of that. And we gained a lot of good fans because of our Super Bowl run and just the charisma of Eddie George and Steve McNair and a bunch of just excellent working-class players we gain a lot of fans that we still have to this day that are all over the country because of that i would love to see this next generation do the exact same and if i were a teenager or younger if i were in fifth grade i would want a derrick henry jersey i know that for sure i i want one right now <laughs> chances are <laughs> i'm gonna get one so yeah i i agree 100 percent so, yeah, I, I couldn't be any more excited for this game, and I know you guys are too. So Saturday is going to be huge for us. You know, wrapping up and kind of talking about the keys of this game. So I'll tell you this. Today at work, it was a rough day. I was sitting at my desk all day. I went to stand up, and maybe it's just father time, but my knees were creaking, and I felt sore and stiff. It's been a while since Lamar Jackson has been on the field. I kind of think he's probably going to maybe have a little rust. What do you think about that? Yeah, the rest they've been able to receive could potentially be a double-edged sword because to the victor go the spoils. For being the best team they AFC, they got the one seed, they got a bye. And they were so good, they clinched the one seed before Week 17. So they rested most of their starters in that Week 17 game against Pittsburgh. That's potentially three weeks 
between game action for a lot of players, especially all their big-time contributors, all their stars, all their stars. And in the past, we've seen it go both ways. A team comes into playoffs. They've had plenty of time to rest. Everyone's legs are spry. The soreness is gone. Everyone's amped up. They're ready to put on a show for their home crowd. They're ready to claim the throne. And they go out and they just dominate at home. They're well-rested. They're excited. They're well-prepared. And they've got home field. But we've also seen teams start out slow and a bit rusty because they just haven't had to play. They're not used to the physicality. They're not used to having to fire on all cylinders and give it give it their all. I would certainly think that could be a factor and could potentially be something that really goes our way because we've had to play meaningful football for the last 10 weeks. We had to dig ourselves out of a hole and fight for that last playoff. There's been no downtime. Every game is to the death. Every game is for the season. So if we can even catch them by surprise or they're just warming up and we take just a little bit of a lead, I'll take it because I'll take anything we can get against this really good team. If we get we get seven points because they're not prepared, I'll take it. I guess wrapping up, fellas, let me let me get each of you get your big big key to the game. One specific key, what regardless of side of the ball, what's your big key to the game? Nathan, we'll start with you. Oh, it's pretty easy for me. Uh, I've heard a lot of people on the national media say, they can't let Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram rip off 20, 30 yards. And, yeah, we can't do that, obviously. But this is a team, and they're a historically successful offensive season, that has converted 47% of third downs. That's unreal. And if they do that, and if they keep that trend or close to that trend, we're going to get beat. And if they do that, they're, no one's going to beat them, right? If they're converting half of their third downs, that's what playoff games come down to. Heck, that's what football comes down to, but especially this time of year. So the key for us is Rashawn Evans and his goal line stand. That needs to happen all game, not just him. Simmons clogging up that middle, giving those guys the ability, a healthy Jayon Brown is going to be huge for that too, but we've got to limit them on third down. Landon, what are your keys, bud? It's just, can we get even just one turnover off of Lamar Jackson? Because after he threw three interceptions against the Steelers in week five, he didn't have one turnover until week 13 against the 49ers who have one of the best defenses in the league. So for the middle half of the season, for eight weeks, he didn't turn the ball over. That was when they were really rolling. They were beating good teams. They were stomping good teams. And he looked like Michael Vick, but better in every single way. And pretty much this entire season, the games that they lost were the games that were close. It came down to turnovers. When they lost to Cleveland, they had three turnovers. When they beat the Steelers in overtime, three turnovers. When they played the Bengals the first time, one by six, one turnover. And then when they played the 49ers, they had a turnover. They only won by three. So... Most of their close games, their one-possession games, or their losses, have come because of turnovers. And if we can force that, I really, I think we have a good chance of keeping things close because Logan Ryan dropped a potential pick six before halftime. And now he got it back at the end of the game. And then we got a meaningless fumble recovery on the final play of the game. So we finished last week with two turnovers. But really, we should have had one at most. We have to capitalize on any potential miscues, any mistakes, any overthrows due to rust or miscommunication or the elements. We can't be dropping interceptions. If there's fumbles, we have to get on it. We cannot give them any chance to recover from any mistake that they make. Being the best means you make 
you don't make a whole lot of mistakes. But like you mentioned, when they do make mistakes, the games are closer. And I, I've been thinking all season and even last year, get us to a close game, that's where we win. So I think that's what we do. Specifically, my key is simple. It's been the same key all year long. It's El Tractorcito, Derrick Henry. You got to run the ball with him all game long. Uh, uh, when we were watching the game on Saturday, handoff had a shotgun. I knew it was terrible as soon as they lined up. Um, and sure enough, Ryan Tannehill fumbled the snap and, it, you know, it, it just cost us. So I, I don't want any cute run at a shotgun. I want to line up power eye, kind of like the little Giants spike runs and power eye. You know, that's all I want. I want Derrick Henry running the ball all day long, running it down their throats. Prediction time. Landon, we'll start with you, buddy. What are you thinking? I'm sure you guys have already guessed that. I'm going to pick against us. I say 31-20 Ravens win. I think we keep it close, but it's just, I really think this team is the second-best team of the 21st century behind the 2007 Patriots. And I think that this is their coronation season, their coronation run. This is when they claim the throne. They establish themselves as one of the great teams of all time. Nathan, we need to get this guy off the podcast. Well, when he picks against us, we win. Kansas City. <laughs> You're right. I, I appreciate right. him him uh, thinking with his mind. And you know what? Logic says they this is a crowning. But he's watched a lot of football, and I've watched a lot of football. And I've seen this dream team. I've seen a 15-1 Vikings team in 98. I've seen a lot of all-time teams get beat in this game right here. And I, I think they're going to get beat. I think it's going to be 21-20. I think it's going to be an absolute classic. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's definitely no. It's not going to be a – I'm not thinking blowout. I'm not even thinking by more than one score. So I'm kind of going to go 17-14 with us moving on. Obviously, the biggest opportunity on the biggest of stages for us. So we've just got to win. So, everybody, that's about all we have for you today. You know, we might try to get back with you late this week before the game and kind of get some quick news and quick injury updates and kind of see what we're looking at heading right into the game. Let's, let's go do it again. On to Baltimore. All right, fellas, tighten up.